1: Welcome into the show. It is yours truly, Daniel Wortman, coming to you live from the Dream Imagine Sports Studios. It's Friday. It's 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. West Coast wake up call. All time zones in between and around the world. Welcome into the show. Thanks for tuning in. So yesterday concluded uh, the semifinals of Champions League and Europa League with the two Europa League semifinals being played yesterday. And for the first time ever, one country will have all four teams in both semifinals. Um, people around the world are celebrating this as, as an historic achievement. Look at the progress of the the English system and the English league, primarily the Premier League. Um, but the truth about this is, is the four matches that you saw uh, coming into the finals these were not overwhelming convincing matches by the premier league sides i mean we know that liverpool and tottenham had historic comebacks uh comebacks for the ages in their semifinals, and and that is all credit to them that is taking nothing away from them this is talking about the macro conversation of the Premier League versus the rest of the world. The one thing the Premier League has for sure over everyone else is money. But that has not translated in the past into dominance. In fact, it hasn't really done anything for the Premier League in recent years. If, if anything, La Liga could could make that claim that that even without the money has been the dominant league. If you watch all of the the Spanish teams, and their ability to make it to Champions League finals or Europa League finals uh, consistently, I I could easily and would make and will make that argument that La Liga has been much better than the Premier League when it comes to European competition and the quality of play in that league. It does not have the money of the Premier League. There is no doubting that that is for certain. Uh, but the quality of play has overcome the lack or the disparity in the the check balance or revenue uh, income balance of these Premier League clubs. So when we when we look at um, the you know the the other two games in the Europa League, for example, with Chelsea and with Arsenal. Chelsea had to go to penalties to uh, penalty kicks yesterday to get through and, and, you know, came down to the, to the last kick hazard puts it in and they're through Arsenal game, you know, in the end they pulled away, but, but at the beginning of that game, it's very close. Um, You know, Valencia scored and all they needed is was one more and they were through and then Arsenal scored. And then from there it kind of split out. And so, you know, of the four matches that these Premier League sides were were involved in, Arsenal was the only one that by the end of the game uh, was was able to, you know, have a, a lead that they could kind of carry uh, to the end and, and see out the game. So this idea that the Premier League, because they they managed to, to you know, get these four in, and I'm not going to call it luck, but they were definitely fortunate in that, you had two monster comebacks in the Champions League semifinals. You had penalty kicks, which could have gone either way. And earlier in that penalty kick sequence, uh, it, it looked like Chelsea might be going out. And and so all of these things had to work out for these four teams. And so that's taking nothing away from those four teams. They have earned it. This is this is nothing to do with Liverpool or tottenham or arsenal or chelsea uh, as individual clubs and their performances on the field my my point is on the bigger level everybody calm down this happened this year it's not going to happen next year more than likely i i very seriously doubt we'll see this again anytime soon and and so that all of this you know conjecture about you know the rise of the premier league and this is this is now showing they're they are the giants and calm down just calm everybody calm down like you know the world is the same today as it was three days ago in terms of where the premier league s- stacks up against the rest of the world just enjoy it enjoy this moment enjoy enjoy this uh the, you know if you're a fan of the premier league if you're a fan of any of these four clubs enjoy the moment and in, in you know whatever final you're in enjoy it and root for your club and and hope that it goes well but You know, the idea that you're it's going to go beyond this year and this is going to become every year. This, this, I I don't see that happening at all. Um, so you know, it is what it is, but um, you know, I I think uh, I think we're going to see you know, two good finals, but I would have much preferred to have seen finals that involved clubs from other countries. And uh, speaking of other countries. I uh, don't know if you saw the news yesterday that uh, came out. Um, so, UEFA is pondering a a closed off Champions League with eight team groups, um, and and there the, we mentioned this before a few weeks ago. Um, this has picked up a little bit of steam, and. Um, the proposal uh, alters what we know as the Champions League, which is the greatest club competition in the world. And in my view and in the, in the view of many others, it would destroy it. it. It would not only destroy the Champions League, it would destroy the domestic leagues in these countries in, 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 in a real way. And and I'll explain why. The, the proposal um, basically would alter what currently is set up, and uh, it would it would the, the proposal says that they would have 24 of the 32 teams in the 2024-25 um, group stage would retain their lucrative places the next season, regardless of where they finish in the domestic national leagues. So you could be Manchester United if you're in the tournament that year and you finish in eighth in the Premier League, you still get to stay in the Champions League. That's absurd absolutely absurd the proposal would create 18 group uh, 18 groups kicking off in august and narrow the entry path for teams from winners of lower ranking leagues so basically what this is 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 a proposal for uh the pr- that favors like the premier league the top levels of serie a of la liga of um, the bundesliga and you know, and in in, in in to some extent, Ligue 1 as well in France. And it's basically saying like, let's let's have every year. Let's have Juventus, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Madrid, PSG, Manchester United, etc., cetera, et cetera, In the competition every year, no matter what happens. Let's keep them in here, and let's make it harder for other clubs to get in. Now. The problem is the system, if approved by UEFA next year, would guarantee at least 14 Champions League games instead of the current six for each club, which, you know, that's good for those clubs, right? I mean, they're getting more money, more revenue. It does add more fixtures to their to their seasons, um, but, you know, they're getting a lot more revenue with that. Um, but the, the opposition, and here's where some of the problem comes in, the opposition to this basically says that this proposal is basically setting up a a system of haves versus have-nots, and if that sounds familiar, that's American soccer in a nutshell, and we see how well, or in this case, how bad that works for American soccer at large. The 1% are, are are able to to keep what is theirs and and build on what is theirs at the expense of everyone else instead of having a system where clubs are able to benefit grow rise etc you you are in a situation where where clubs are going to get punished they're going to get hurt and only a few are going to to get better and so you're going to see a what is already a disparity in some of these leagues get even worse, not better, and not making these other clubs even more competitive or having a chance. Uh, you look at, at at you know a club like Leicester City, you know, in this proposal, they they might could finish second or third and and not make the Champions League in the next year because their name isn't Manchester United. It's absurd that uh, Leicester City would be left out in that kind of scenario. This this draft plan suggests that four Champions League teams will be relegated each season into the next season's uh, second-tier Europa League. So even if you don't do well, we're going to give you European competition. You could finish 12th in your domestic league, get relegated from the Champions League. You're still going to get Europa League. I mean, this is crazy. This is this is. This is absurd. I hope that that these people um, who are proposing this get absolutely blown out, shut down, shut out. It's it's it would be horrible for the game, horrible for the global game, terrible for uh, for European soccer. The drama, the things that we saw this week, for example you know all eyes were on barcelona liverpool on tuesday and 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 the week before and and rightly so you have the the best player of all time the the goat it's not debatable don't don't at me don't whatever it just live with it messi's the best there ever was and and he's still the best i understand watching that right I am a Barcelona fan. I I love Messi. I love watching him play. I love watching the club play except for Tuesday night when they were terrible. And and I, you know, I love Liverpool as well and I love watching Liverpool play and and I, you know, when they're not playing playing each other, I'm rooting for the Reds, absolutely. Wednesday though. Wednesday Both teams in this scenario, both teams could conceivably not be in the Champions League, regardless of where they finished the year before. On this new system, both Tottenham and Ajax could have been left out in this new scenario, could be left out in this new scenario. So the, the, the club that made a run was in, within 10 seconds of a final. An amazing story filled with young players. Captain is only 19 years old. An amazing project that was started several years ago, almost 10 years ago now, under Cruyff, coming back to Ajax and, and the Cruyff plan and all of that work. Would not have even made it into the Champions League, much less to the to the semifinals with it within ten seconds of a final, wouldn't have even gotten a chance under this new proposal because they finished runner up in the Air easy the year before. It's it's crazy. This idea that the Champions League needs to be an in an ICC style invitational. We're going to bring in every year Manchester United, we're going to bring in Liverpool, we're going to bring in Barcelona and Real Madrid and you're going to see them play every year. That's crazy. What what is what is so fun to watch. And I get it. Some of the some of the group stage games are are not as competitive as you would like to see. Well, instead of getting rid of some of those gr- group stage Uh, opponents and, and, and basically saying, well, you're not good enough for our competition. We really don't want you here. How about we get more resources into all of the champions league uh, uh, clubs so that they have a better opportunity to be more competitive so that when you do finish second in the air of it actually means more, not less. I mean, that's what we should be looking at. That's, that's the, the, the mindset and mentality that we should have, that's what increases drama and increases eyeballs, increases passion. I mean, could you imagine right now if Ajax – I mean, set aside the Barcelona-Liverpool match because e- either one of those clubs are globally a big club. But, and, and, but Ajax is a big club around the world. It's well-known around the club, uh, the club around the world and, and has had success in the past – But it's not had Champions League success for decades. Imagine Ajax in the final. The anticipation, the passion, everyone in the world that's not a Liverpool or Barcelona supporter, depending on how that match turned out, right, going into into this week. Everyone else, if you were not a Barcelona or Liverpool fan on Tuesday, everyone else was rooting for Ajax and and they would have been rooting for IX, eyeballs would have been on there the story of the of the young team making it all the way to the final this historic run all of that drama is gone it's gone and instead we're going to see you know basically an extra round of the premier league in both the the champions league and the europa league and and I'm telling you the the eyeballs on these two finals are I hope that these people that are proposing this this uh, new system for Champions League I hope these people watch the ratings for the Champions League and watch the ratings for um you know for the Europa League I hope they they keep uh track of eyeballs and passion level and emotion and um in, in, in the TV audience, et cetera. I'm not saying that it's, it's not going to be a good audience, but I anticipate that it's not going to be as, as high or, or as exciting and, uh, and that the audience is not going to be as tuned in as have been in the past pre- precisely because the scenario that you want to see, predictable matchups are going to be played out for finals and I don't think you're going to get the result that you thought you were going to get. Um, Liverpool, Tottenham, people are going to watch. It's Champions League final. They're going to be able watch. But there's going to be a lot of people that would have watched if Ajax was in there instead of Tottenham that are not going to be tuning in. And, uh, and, and certainly on the Europa League final, I, don't, I, I think that's also going to be the same type of situation because, you know, you've got, you've got one country and, and really you've got one city in one country that's in the final in London, having both Arsenal and Chelsea there in the Europa League final. So I, I just I think it's a bad idea. It's bad for soccer. It's bad for the global game. And uh, and I hope that it doesn't happen. Um, I hope that we we definitely get away from that. I don't mind seeing some alterations and some changes, but I think those changes need to be improvements and and not necessarily um, not necessarily just changes. For the sake of making uh, the wealthier wealthier and the, um, you know, the have nots have less. I mean, that's just not a good idea. So um, anyway, uh, coming up in just a minute, we have Tristan Tillett. He um, is joining us and we're going to be talking uh, about all kinds of things, especially uh, futsal and street soccer, etc. And look forward to having that that chat with him here coming up just after the commercial break. The sponsor for today's show is charity water if you don't know about charity water visit them at charitywater.org they provide clean drinking water people all over the world they are changing lives and changing villages you can learn more about charity water again by going to charitywater.org we'll be right back
0: (laughs) तो आइली को बच्चा लाए मिले छुट्टे हरी अथवा उनका एक क्लास नगारा थी the बंडी मेरा बंदा एक क्लास तीन क्लास
1: Welcome back to the show. We are pleased to be joined by Tristan Tolet. He is the program director of Birmingham Futsal. Tristan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, give us a little bit of a background. Like who is Tristan and 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 you know, what it how did you get involved in the game and and decide to devote so much of your life to the game, uh, football and, and, and also as well, futsal.
2: Um, my journey is probably very atypical for most of the quote soccer folks that you have, where I've never really, um, actually played, um, the game in a competitive fashion, uh, got involved from a sports performance side about 15, 16 years ago. Um, and, Really found a niche uh, in our local market for helping youth soccer players develop from a physical side um having three kids uh that are now sixteen and boy girl twins thirteen that have loved the game you know since they were itty bitty um and a fiance that's a girls director of a local club here uh we've kind of been saturated as a family over the last um eight to ten years, so kind of found it that way
1: so um with that kind of sports performance type background, what, what was your interest in getting involved with soccer? Was it just that was a sport you liked? Was it, uh, was it a situation where you, you realized there was um, a lack of physical development in, in, in some of the soccer players you were seeing? You know what, what was kind of the drawing card to, to getting involved in, in the game from the sports performance uh, angle?
2: Um, I would say probably just seeing um, a need in our market where, um, you know, the youth youth club system uh, across the So I'm not
1: sure. Uh, I think we might have lost Tristan. We're going to have to try to get him back here in just a minute. Um, so Tristan, for for the audience, is uh, he works out of and, and lives in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, so we are we're going to try to get him back on here in just a second, but uh, he he handles sports performance and um, coaching is kind of where he got his start. So uh, we're gonna see if we can get him back on here in, ju- in just a minute to kind of keep that conversation uh, going. And let's see uh, see if we can get him back. Hello? Tristan you're yeah. live you're live back on the air again uh we lost you there for a second um it p- kind of pick up uh back back where you were you were talking about you saw a need in in your market uh for you know what you were doing with sports performance
2: yep yeah I had a uh, a friend at the time um who was involved he was a director of a local youth soccer club and uh he actually started kind of training with our group just to kind of learn a little bit about, you know, what we did and just the physical side of training. And then we kind of got to talk and he's like, well, you know, for for soccer players, kind of what would that look like? And we kind of took him through a a two or three week program um, and kind of sparked his interest and then got us involved with one club and then a couple of other clubs and then just kind of hit the ground running with that.
1: So is that something that that you still actively do the sports performance side, or are you are you just mainly handling the the Birmingham futsal kind of what, what is your your day to day week to week uh, work including
2: um, the the majority of 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 my day is going to be futsal related now where we started that program uh, Birmingham futsal about a year ago. Um, we do include uh, speed, agility, quote, sports performance um, type activities in all of our sessions. Um, and if from an outside or a mom and dad looking in, it's going to look like uh, more like chase games, racing, things like that, where um, our kind of big, big rock in our philosophy is we've created our program and create a lot of the activities, whether it be related to understanding the game of futsal, soccer, whether it be trying to enhance the physical abilities is uh today's kids are very different from when we grew up where there's not a whole lot of pe in school there's you know little to no free play so to speak so we try to get them moving and try to engage not only the physical side uh, but also the mental side so that's going to be a big part of all of our sessions um as that is our background and you know that is a need that we've kind of identified um through through all sports but especially here um in our culture from a from a soccer futsal um arm. and then i have a few uh, individual clients that we work with on an individual basis uh, that have specific needs, whether it be some high school, uh, college or above type athletes in the off season, just trying to maintain their fitness and enhance their physical performance as well.
1: So obviously you have the lack of PE or lack of free play. I, I remember growing up my, you know, I think every kid's favorite subject was recess Um and, you know, you could go out and play for a while and, and and not have any kind of, you know, programming. It was just like, you know, go have fun on the playground or play basketball or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, obviously in a lot of schools that that has been vanishing over the years. But do you also think that some of this is in terms of the the physical performance and the uh, lack of mobility, agility, strength, etc. in in terms of different muscle groups has to do with the fact that we have so many more kids that are sedentary even after school in terms of you know video games and TV and and digital rather than getting out in the in the backyard or the front yard or in the street and just getting out and playing themselves. Do you think that's also a factor as well?
2: Oh, I would say that's that's a hundred percent a factor for sure. I, mean, I can remember growing up um, in New Orleans, which is where I was born and raised. And like my favorite subject was getting dropped off at school early because my parents were both teachers. So my school would start at you know eight. They started at eight. Well, I'd have to get dropped off at seven fifteen. And it's it's generally hot and humid in New Orleans, as we all know. And I would literally be like sweating through um our khaki uniform. I was a good little Catholic schoolboy at the time. Um, so like it was forty to forty five minutes of just whatever, you know, football, kickball, basketball, you know, chasing, racing, all these things. And then we'd have recess and then we'd have PE and then after school was another, you know, two to three hours of just activity. And that in in today's age, as you mentioned, you know, with all of the distractions of, you know, screen time and uh just logistics of all of that uh you know m- most parents are working now things like that there's not really the the accountability or just the insight you know for kids to kind of want to do that and that's why we've included uh, mobility and agility and movement, but also uh through our program at birmingham futsal and 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 it took a while for our players and even you know parents and families as a unit to kind of adjust and adapt um we have one free play day a week and we may be in there working with a younger team, older team. And then as the free play team comes in, like there's the court set up, there's goals, there's balls, there's pennies, and it's on them to get the game started, to pick teams, to split it up, you know, quote, as evenly as um as they could, you know, where we kind of give instruction, hey, the idea would be that every game would end 10 to 9 or 8 to 7, where, you know, everybody gets the ball, everybody scores a goal, and it's competitive and fun because those are the games that are generally going to be the most fun to participate in um, for all players.
1: So walk us through that. You're, you're in Birmingham, Alabama. And, you know, I had, uh, earlier this week, I had Chris Richards, dad, Ken Richards on the show talking about, you know, being, being from, you know, a, a part of the country that's not known as a soccer hotbed, Um, and so, you know, the realities that, that they faced in terms of getting Chris, you know, more exposure, more opportunities to, you know, to finally, you know, make his, his dream come true and make his way to Europe. Um, you know, you're in that same market, you're in Birmingham and, you know, you've created this Birmingham futsal program. Um, what was the thinking behind the creation of this in, in, you know, in terms of, um, you know, looking at, Birmingham and and looking at the clubs and what was available there what what was the thinking behind all of that in and starting the program in the very beginning
2: for sure um actually first off I know Ken very well we go way back where we played college basketball against each other some you know 20 ish 25 years ago so we've known each other for that long um his youngest son Christian um has come to some of our camps and has been a participant in our program. Um, great guy, great family, obviously, you know, super, um, inspiring what, what his oldest boy has been able to do, you know, and actualize his dream. And that was, um, that, that type of of path, uh, definitely contributed to our vision. Um, a year ago we started in the summer. I have a friend, um, Alan Ewing, who started our program over in Atlanta Um, Atlanta Futsal, which is actually Noonan, Stone Mountain, so kind of the surrounding areas there. Um, And our vision wasn't one of necessarily, like, going to tournaments and, you know, exposure, 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 but more just bring it back to the grassroots. Like, at the end of the day, man, like it's a ball and some kids, which is why people generally participate and take up any type of sport. And we've seen, you know, the gravitation kind of away from just that um, altruistic, you know, kind of notion of it's a ball and kids. It's about fun. It's about experience. It's about enjoyment. It's about love and passion for the game. Um, we don't have a quote, you know, footballing or in our case, futsalling culture, uh, where our belief is that futsal is actually the world's game, not soccer because soccer is played on grass or turf. And in the underdeveloped areas or underdeveloped nations around the world where quote soccer is king. It's actually futsal, because it's generally on concrete. Um, And if it's played on that type of surface where it's a faster game, then it is the game of futsal. Um, So that's why we, we, we both started our programs where we're both uh, have a, have a coaching background. My father was a coach. So I've been around coaching for 40 plus years. Uh, Alan's a director of coaching and coaching education. So just seeing, you know, a way that we can empower and, and inspire young players um, in some ways that maybe they're not getting through the youth soccer system, where it is very structured. It is two days a week of the same kids and the same this and the same that. And in our program, it's very uh, play-based, where, hey, just come in, have fun. Yeah, we're going to have a, quote, training session, but it's going to be a ton of 1v1, 2v1, 3v2, and then scrimmage, where at the end of it, it's just going to feel like you just got a chance to play with your friends. And Oh, by the way, you learned, you know, a ton of things, whether it be about spacing, whether it be about how to manipulate the ball, whether it be about just learning leadership skills, um, learning followership skills, uh, within the dynamic of a team. And that's, that's what we did there. Um, we've had some, some good relationships with some local clubs, uh, Our Winter League, this past winter, we had 34 teams of about 400 players, and all local clubs were represented um, with two or three teams apiece. Uh, A couple of local clubs sent six or seven. And, again, it's, you know, Club A playing Club B um, and just playing against different kids where it's not always the same kids. And then maybe the the best kid kind of has that sense of entitlement because they're always the best kid. You know, if you're in a smaller market, you go to a bigger market, you're no longer the best kid. So do you have the resiliency to kind of deal with that um, and fortitude to kind of say, hey, you know what, I might not be the best here, but I'm going to try to learn and work and adapt and improvise. Um, And then another side of it, you know, it's like, what if you're not the best, you know, like, how does that work? Well, maybe you're on a weaker team, maybe you're this, maybe you're that. So we're going to try to align you and put you in a situation where you can be successful and you can see some improvement because at the end of the day, we want kids to be active. You know, we've chosen this sport, and obviously it ties in nicely with uh, with soccer, where generally that's what futsal is. Is It's that, Oh, it's getting kind of chilly outside December, January. Let's go inside and do it. Um, our program is, is year-round, 12 months, where if you want to play, come play.
1: How many days a week are these kids coming to play with Birmingham futsal um, knowing that you know if you're a club kid you're you've got at least two days a week that you're training, so what day or days of the week and and what and how many days are kids coming to play with your program
2: um that's gonna vary depending on you know kind of what what level the player is um and not level in terms of like maybe how like committed they are obviously that's gonna be a part of it but um like what league their their club has their team participating in, where, I mean, we have our, in the fall, we had three, quote, academy teams. Uh, we had, like, a U10, U11 girls. We had a U12, 13 combo uh, boys and girls, and then we had, like, a high school-age team. Um, actually, we're going to be rolling out another couple um, of teams, and we were awarded. Uh, USU Futsal has, like, a national academy structure to it, Um, And we were recently uh, back a couple months ago awarded a national Academy status, which I can kind of answer questions on that, which, which is not why we got into it. Um, But that, but another byproduct is, you know, for people that do want that exposure, you know, if you are a Chris Richards and maybe mom and dad aren't okay with sending you a couple of States away, or they can't upgrade their family and move Um, that, that pathway would allow, Um, exposure as U.S. Youth Football just recently came under U.S. Soccer. Uh, So at some regional events, there will be some scouts there to kind of identify players if that's what you're into. Um, What what we were into, again, was just creating play. So we'll have kids that come in. I mean, honestly, like our our younger girls, they do something foot-related, whether it's ball or saw, as we say, six to seven days a week where they'll train with their team Monday, Wednesday, they have an optional session at a different facility, usually on Tuesday, Thursday. Um, if they get rained out, they're coming to us on those days. Um, and then on the weekends, their team would practice maybe one day. And then we would have pick up another day and then they would have, Oh, by the way, they have a soccer game. So they're doing something six or seven days a week, you know, and that's completely, you know, player driven, you know, that's not coming from parents where we talk a lot about that in terms of, you know, burnout specialization, which I'm honestly not a, huge believer in i mean if the kids love it like let's allow them to kind of find their own their own path in their own way um around the world uh kids play football salt seven days a week you know so why is that like a taboo for american kids if mom and dad are forcing it then i get it um you know but then back to the other part of your question would be then we have some that are in high school and in the state of alabama um you they recognize football as soccer uh even though it's not I had some conversations about that hopefully we can kind of get that rectified for next year but um we had our high school age kids coming in and they were just doing pickup games one day a week where that's you know not coach led not coach driven um it's completely up to them so kind of anywhere and everywhere in between we leave that up to the family
1: so um running birmingham futsal are you are, you have a facility that you run dedicated facility you're running this through or are you you, you use in other facilities how, how does the program work in terms of access is it kind of one central area or do you have multiple locations that uh is because you know birmingham's kind of a micro version of atlanta in for, for the audience in terms of there is kind of a not the exact same 285 loop that goes around Atlanta, but there is a little bit of a loop type of system, uh, with a North South interstate system. And so that you, you have players that play at clubs kind of all over the Birmingham area. So are you centralized or are you kind of able to provide access closer to different people? How does that work?
2: Yeah, that's been, um, uh, a process over the last year where we're still kind of navigating that great question. Um, we've had kind of one main, um, training facility. We ran our winter league all out of the same. We have access to a larger full scale, um, facility at a brand new sports complex that opened. They opened the indoor maybe two and a half years ago. They just opened outdoor, um, five full size, uh, turf fields, about six months ago. Um, So we've had, we've had access to, to that indoor facility. We've done some camps there. Um, And then we've been approached by, you know, another, another group or so just in other little pockets where looking at the, the convenience side of our market where, you know, in Atlanta, people get used to driving, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes, you know, for, for a program, for a practice. If we asked people to do that in our market, they would, think that we're certifiably insane you know so we're we're looking to um to branch out so to speak uh and keep kind of our one main home where we've been uh, where it is very central to the to the majority of of our existing players and then also just kind of where the other uh main club facilities are um but we're going to have another two or three uh satellite spots that we're going to be using here pretty soon as well
1: fantastic so with your with your program in in the the work that you're doing obviously you're providing a different experience for the soccer player who is you know if if you've not ever gone and tried to play on a hard surface it is a different game I mean it's <laughs> if, if you I, I I'll I'll tell this story uh, and this past winter my 8-year-old was playing in a, a futsal league and, um, and it, it was, he, he had some kids from his team that had come into play, uh, from their outdoor, you know, uh, typical grass surface soccer team setup that came into play. And one of the kids had not played before, uh, futsal. The others had, but th- this one kid hadn't, and he's really fast. And uh, I'll never forget talking to his dad uh, the first night, and, and his his dad was like, "You know, man, this is this is a little bit different game." And so then the next the next week we come back and we're talking again, and then after a few weeks, he and I started chatting during one of the games, and he said, "Look, after the first night, I'll be honest with you, my son was not really liking the game, and wasn't sure whether he wanted to play uh, play it again." and and what it was is he was used to on a you know when you've got more space and you've got grass he's used to kind of uh touching the ball and going and um not to say that he didn't have ball skills or wouldn't use his ball skills but he wasn't really forced to play in confined spaces or or use a lot of touches to beat people when he had more space and so he was getting frustrated that first night cuz it was an adjustment. He was used to kind of taking the ball, putting it out and going. Well, that ball starts rolling on a hard surface and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's you're not going to yep. catch it. The ball's faster than the man. So it was that, it was that first night that the light kind of went off for him, for the kid, and for his dad that the ball's faster than the man. It real that that's true and and I can't catch it. And but I'll tell you by the end of that season, not only did he love it, but like he improved so much in his game because he was adding elements that he wasn't forced to do because of the environment and it's something i, I talked a, a lot about uh, in my with my own kids with in, in in business and in, in different things is structure environments they matter that, you know, if you're going to, if you want to bake a a round cake, you can't throw the ingredients in a square pan and pull it out of the oven expecting to see a round cake. It's going to be square. And it's the same thing with our kids. If you, you know, when we run a business or if you're running a, an organization or a soccer club or, you know, a, a futsal uh, organization like you have, what you do produces the results. And they're, they're it's going to be different because every environment is going to be different and it's going to bring out different, you know, byproducts or side effects, if, if you will, of, of what, um, you know, that person is experiencing versus another experience. So you're never going to create a, a futsal type of experience playing on grass. Now, is there transference? Yes. Can, it, are there certain things that you do with a ball and you're, you know, using the sole of your foot and different things? And you see this a lot with Brazilian players, you know, as they ele- uh, get older and, and, and their careers are elevated and they're playing on a bigger stage and brighter lights in a full field and you see a Neymar or – you know, you see a Ronaldinho or, you know, the Brazilian Ronaldo or some of these other, you know, great Brazilian players, and you you watch them play, and you see these elements of, of futsal kind of coming through their play. It almost looks like they're dancing on the grass in a way at times, and it's beautiful. But that is is not something that is just a natural grass experience. It's something that's come because – They've been playing with the ball on a hard surface for so long that they've picked up these um, innate uh, touches and, and and relationship have developed this re- relationship with a ball that's different than if you can just kick into space every time. You don't really know any different or any better. So, um, you know, when you when you have a a, a an opportunity like what you are providing for kids in Birmingham. You know, I would I would say to those kids, like you know, get out and play because it it is going to make you better. It's a different game. It's a related game, but it is a different game. and And if you embrace it, um, it 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 does uh, increase and improve your development and, and increase your your ability to manipulate the ball in a in a much more positive way than than an experience that you would just get on grass. So. I definitely definitely uh recommend playing futsal as much as possible. I know when we when we've been in Europe, street soccer is a it has been a really cool thing and you'll see these street soccer courts and cages under bridges and all over the place and um you know to to watch kids just get out and play that free play is just it's really cool and and uh and obviously you see the development there as well. So um w- when a, when a family or or a kid is looking at um you know Birmingham futsal um y- you mentioned that they can get out and play you know pretty frequently is that is that open and available like 7 days a week or do you have like specific windows when they can come out and play um time slots etc um is there a limited number of sessions per week that they can get into how how does that kind of set up work with your program?
2: Yeah, um, so throughout the the spring season, which we're kind of on the tail of uh, tail end of now, we've worked our schedule um, kind of around the existing, you know, club soccer kind of general practice times where certain ages may be uh, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, where those are the three days where our youth um, program was available just because so many of the, either prospective kids that showed interest or the um, players that, that were already a part of our program, you know, they were, they were training Tuesday, Thursday, or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. So, so Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday um, was a three-day uh, um, option. One was more pickup based depending on the age. One was more um, team practice, you know, larger group experience. And then one is a quote, like a group training day, but that's a, that's an individual, like our, hour talk with them is hey like if you're coming in on this day like our goal is for you to be in terms of your skill development and ownership like you need to be as selfish as possible where, where, where you're here for you and to develop your relationship with the ball and your relationship with the game as we start going into you know some 1v1 and 2v1 and 2v2 type situations where you're going to make a ton of decisions um, and be as creative as you can be you know where that's that's a coaching point that we give a lot um, is not putting kids in a box and structure of it's got to be one and two touch. It's, you know, reading the game and kind of what is the game um, telling you to do, you know, and even for as young as, as our youngest players right now that come in are like seven, eight year olds, you know, and it's like, well, seven, eight year olds can't read the game. Well, seven, eight year old Brazilians can read the game. I know that, you know, so why can't seven, eight year old Birmingham kids read the game? They're the same, you know, maybe they've never been afforded the opportunity to have, um flair and creativity and confidence and the uh, awareness and self-esteem to to be in a, a position of you're in control um we're not going to joystick and tell you you know where the ball has to go or where the game has to go um the game is going to be quote the greatest teacher you know which could be an overused term um for sure which 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 I would probably agree with but we give the the young players parameters and kind of areas and spaces where come in, enjoy experience. And if you, if we're continuing to make, you know, similar or the same mistakes, then we'll have some feedback around maybe why that was not the best decision and kind of guide them to what might be a better decision um, next time.
1: So all in all, your your programming you have for kids. Do you also have programming for uh, adults as well, or is this primarily targeted towards you know kids, say eighteen and under?
2: Yeah, we um we started a a year ago with play dates uh, with the vision of you know everything that we've talked about really to this point um, of empowering youth, et cetera, et cetera. And about three or four months into it. Uh, we had a couple of dads, you know, that had been playing in kind of the some of the the local Sunday League and Men Pickup and, and things like that. And they 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 asked and kind of sparked a question, um, you know, what about for grown ups? And we opened up uh some pickup opportunities for our adults, usually two nights a week. Uh back in September, you know, it started with, Hey, there's two of you, you know, can you bring a couple? You bring a couple and for the first few weeks, man, it was, there were tumbleweeds. There was like, okay, we're going to play 3v3. Okay. Hey, I'm going to bring my kids y'all jump in so we can at least have some numbers. Um, and then as we went through the, the fall and the weather changed a bit, um, you know, uh, between Halloween, Thanksgiving, uh, October, November, you know, the numbers grew and grew and grew to where now, um, we play, Two nights a week, um eight thirty to ten fifteen ish or so, so you know kind of later night after work after the kids go to bed, you know, really no excuse you know not to come um we'll have twenty four people and if if you don't reserve a spot by six o'clock, like sorry, there's no room at the end twenty four people like we're full, um and I'm even probably gonna add another day or so for that, um, and the best thing we just had two new players come in last night the best thing about that um is we'll have 24 uh men and women from as many as like 15 17 different countries so like it's like the united nations in the gym like seriously which is awesome i mean which is why we we did that is just to bring people together you know our system of you know the conversations that you've had you know from a from a pro rail standpoint you know the the soccer system in the country is very, very exclusive, either on the highest level all the way down, you know, to the lowest levels, like what you and Ken had talked about on Wednesday, you know, is you've got to be in these markets and these pipelines and these leagues to be able to be seen. It's like, again, in, in our youth program, it's kids and a ball. In our pickup game, it's two courts and a ball on each. And, you know, many times they don't even speak the same language, like literally, but they both love the ball, and that's all that matters.
1: It is. It is the world's game. And, and I have experienced that firsthand, uh, all around the world and even, uh, where I live and and it's, it, to me, it's one of the, one of the most beautiful things about the beautiful game is the fact that people are able to come together, uh, to do that. So when, when, um, whenever you're running programming, are you running programming based on like, you know, sessions? Is it membership style and, and and how can people learn more about Birmingham futsal? Where, where can we redirect them if they're new to the area or maybe they don't know about Birmingham futsal? Um, how can they get involved, uh, with, oh, I guess we lost him. So, um, I, I, will, uh, I will try to get uh, Tristan back on uh, in the future um, now that we, we've had uh, yet another uh, call failure. Um, and, and we will put that information out on how you can get involved with uh, Birmingham futsal and the work that he's doing. But the, the key point of, of the game in, in, in terms of looking at futsal is that it is a different game and it is a it is a it is a game that does uh provide a different training environment a tra- different training surface a different experience and it makes you better uh there's no doubt about it it makes you better and and quite honestly it you know it it's amazing to go watch 11v11 11 11 professional soccer and it's fun to get out and play but it's it's it, you could make the argument it's even more fun to get out and play 2v2 3v3 4v4 5v5 on a hard surface uh it's it's back and forth a lot of trash talk a lot of skill a lot of show off a lot of flavor it's fantastic and um, and so you know it's it's high energy high paced uh, it's a smaller sided game smaller space um, and and with that higher intensity higher speed higher pace it requires of a player to have better technical skills um, and, and be able to process the game, and this is a this is a big thing too. Is that you're able, to, you, you have to develop the ability to process the game uh, in, in faster and 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 see the moments and see those moments and process them quicker over and over and over again without, you know, having all of the time in the world because you're in a big wide open space. And maybe you were the, the object of the switch uh, on the, on an 11v11 full size pitch. And, and so the rest of the, your teammates and your opponents are are pushed over and you were the outlet. Uh, Now you have all the time in the world to kind of get your head up, look and make a decision. That's fine. But in futsal, uh, you're typically not getting that kind of time, and so it, it it requires of players to process the game faster and do things uh, do things better. So I apologize for the technical difficulties we have with Tristan today. Um, for some reason, the phone kept going out with him, but uh, we we definitely would like to have him back on in the future and talk more about futsal and and the game of futsal and in Birmingham futsal specifically, and you know some of the other things that they are seeing there. Uh, in, in that area. And again, this is a this is a, a, another person from that market that 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 was on this week that's talking about, you know, development and the game of soccer and in the, the game of futsal in this case specifically, which is a variation of 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 soccer or football, as we call it around the world. And and yet there the the U.S. system is overlooking this market and and has not deemed it worthy uh for having opportunity to get to to the top level without you know paying a bribe and paying in a two hundred million dollar plus entry fee that doesn't do anything for the game of soccer it, it goes to line the pockets of wealthy uh, MLS uh, owner operators who are already in MLS and so that that's the unfortunate situation is you you have somebody. Who's, who's providing more pathways and, and more development, et cetera, and yet, um, you know, in a market uh, of a million-plus, you don't have access to the top levels of the game, and it's, it's crazy. And uh, it, it's very similar to what we, we were talking about early in the show with, you know, looking at the UEFA Champions League alterations that some of these wealthier clubs are proposing – um, and and when you look at those, those same efforts over with, with the UEFA Champions League and those wealthy clubs, and you look at these MLS owner-operators, there is a recurring theme here. And that recurring theme is that left unchecked, left to their own devices, the wealthy and, and the powerful will always choose to keep more wealth and more power and not do what's best for the game. They're always gonna do what's best for themselves. And so it's important here in America that we continue to speak out and to check that and to and to speak to that and to work with clubs and with state associations and others to to get the word out and educate and get people to understand what is possible and what and what not only is possible but what should be happening here in America. And it's also important that we see that effort amplified around the world in other areas like this situation with the UEFA Champions League, where people are speaking up and saying, look, this is not right. This is not best for the game. This is not for the good of the game. This is just for the good of of you. And I get the natural tendency to want to amass more power and more wealth I understand it it's a natural human tendency however when we look at this as from a global context from a from from the standpoint of what is best for the game around the world what is best for the game in in my city in my country uh, in, in 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 the context of FIFA itself when we ask that question from that lens it helps give us clarity on what should happen and, and what should come next. It should never be about the protection of one over the other. It should be about opportunity for everyone and let the chips fall where they may. And when we have that happen, we are we are in a better place as a country, and in in and in indeed we are in a better place around the world as well so um you know look those are my parting thoughts for the week thanks for tuning into the show I'd like to thank Matt Barnes for coming on on Monday Mickey Turner on Tuesday Ken Richards on Wednesday on Thursday we had Luke Berry of Port City FC and obviously today Tristan Tillett joining us from Birmingham Futsal. Thanks for tuning in. It's, uh, it's been a great week. Look forward to coming back and seeing everybody on Monday. As always, you can learn more by visiting danielworkman.com or finding me on Twitter or Instagram at danielworkman, facebook.com forward slash wrkmn. Thanks again for tuning in. We will see everyone next week.